Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7. We're in what is known as the second part of John. And as we're going through all of John, remember, we're wanting to get to know Jesus and meet Jesus and understand who Jesus is, understand what he is saying. And so we're into that second part. Now, remember, I told you the last time we looked at this, that with this section, you're going to see some open hostility towards Jesus, which that just blows my mind. When you think about how Jesus was and how he interacted with people, how, how could anybody be hostile towards him? But we're going to see why as we continue to go through this, to the point that they would put him on a cross and kill him. But Jesus is going to a feast today. We're going to talk about that for a brief moment, why this feast, when he told others that he wasn't going. And we're going to see that they're going to question him about his teaching, his doctrine, is what the scripture would say. Now, if you're going to understand anything about someone and you're going to decide whether or not to do what they're saying or follow them, the first thing you look at is what they're saying or what they're writing. It's not just their charisma or the things that they're doing. It's who they are as a person and what they're teaching. And that's the same thing here with Jesus. We're going to see that there's a buzz going around. People are, are, are buzzing about Jesus and the stuff that he's doing and the stuff that he's teaching. But that also raises some problems. People aren't happy about it. Others are excited. They're conflicting with each other. Some are fearful. But then Jesus explains about his teaching. And why is that important for us? Because if you're going to start getting to know Jesus, you really need to understand what he's saying and why he's saying it. Because it reveals who he is. And that's what we want to do. We want to get to know Jesus and make sure that we've made the right decision in following him. But here's the thing. When you look at how Jesus interacts with people, it reveals who we are. It reveals who humanity is and how humanity interacts towards him. We say, well, I think I'm okay. No, no, you might be surprised. So let's look at this together. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 10 through 19. So let's look at verse 10. Here's what the writer John writes. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. And others said, No, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews or Jewish leaders. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own 
authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down into two sections. First of all, we're going to see the buzz that's going on. We're going to see the speculation and the arguing. It's interesting, the scripture says they argued. That's kind of interesting because basically you've kind of seen that. You've ever got interaction with people. People have two different opinions and they're very strong about their opinions. And why are you arguing? It's just discussion. But they're complaining, so to speak, but not necessarily. They're arguing. We're going to see the buzz. And then we're going to see what Jesus says about his teaching. Now, when he talks about his teaching, he's going to give you the key to you understanding his teaching. And that's going to be very important. Why? Let me stop for a moment. Have you ever read the Bible and didn't understand something? First of all, that's normal. It's not abnormal. But he's going to give you the key to understanding. And the key to understanding is, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so let's talk about the buzz. All right, here's the buzz. Look with me at verse 10. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, George. Didn't we look at the last time he told his brothers he wasn't going up to the feast at this time? And now in verse 10, they leave. And guess what? He follows secretly. Isn't Jesus contradicting himself? Doesn't it sound that way? Yeah, it sounds that way. But remember the discussion. They wanted him to go at that time and do what? Show himself so that their disciples could be wowed. They were tempting him. They didn't believe him. They were saying, who, who operates in secret? You need to do this openly. And he said, no, I'm not going with you because he's going in the timing of the Father. He operates in a different timetable. So guess what? They leave. And he leaves then because he's following the timing. How do we know that? Because the feast lasts for several days, and in the middle of the feast, after a couple of days, guess what? He then decides to teach. But he first goes what? Secretly. That's what we see there. But here's what happens with the buzz. Look with me at verse 12. And there was much complaining or arguing among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said no. On the contrary, he deceives people. This thing is still happening to this day, folks. Here it is. There are many opinions concerning Jesus. Many opinions in Jesus' day. All right, so everybody's aware of all the stories of what? Him healing, him raising the dead, casting out demons. They're hearing all of the stories. They, by this point, they would have heard the story of him feeding 5,000 plus people. These stories are all out there. But guess what? There are other stories that are out there. He healed a man on the Sabbath. <gasps> are you kidding me? We're not supposed to do any kidding on the Sabbath. So all of this stuff is out there, and people will react either for it or against it. Have you noticed that? That's the nature of people. There are opinions, right? This is what's going on here. There are opinions about Jesus. So some of them are saying, he's good. And then there are others who are saying, no, on the contrary, he's not. He's a deceiver. He's deceiving people. Same thing today, folks. People will say, Jesus is God. No, he isn't. He's just a good teacher. There are people out there that are saying that Jesus is another Buddha or another enlightened one. 
And then some will say he's just a pathetic figure from history. Or he's just a man. Or here's one, he's just a myth. How do we know that he even existed? All those things are out there. How do you know, George? Just search it on the internet. Same thing's happening in their day. So there's this buzz. Okay, here's the second thing. There was no consensus concerning who Jesus was. With opinions, they couldn't arrive at a consensus. Some were saying he's the Messiah. Some were saying he's a charlatan. Some were saying he's the son of God, the prophet. The prophet is the one that Moses said who would come. Some are saying this. Some are saying he's a lawbreaker, a deceiver. But they couldn't come to a consensus about who he was. They couldn't come to an agreement. Same thing today. We see it happening in our world today. Many different opinions out there. People cannot come to a conclusion about who Jesus is. Here's the third thing. But here's the problem. People were afraid to make public statements about Jesus. Look with me at verse 13. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews or the Jewish leaders. Oftentimes when John uses the word Jews, he's referring to the Jewish leaders, not the people. And so they were afraid, even though they're having these heated discussions among themselves, it's kind of like family discussions. You know, we just had Thanksgiving. Some of you got together with your clans and so usually when, when there's a clan gathering besides sitting around falling asleep because you had too much turkey or you're watching the football game or whatever, sometimes there are family discussions about what? What's going on? What's going on in your family? What's going on in the community? What's going on at work? What's going on in the world? And sometimes there are, like it says here, complaining or arguing, but no, you're just discussion of very strong points. There are those, right? Now, but here's the thing. So that's your family discussion. That's what's happening here. But guess what? They didn't say anything out in public. Why? Because they were afraid. Because Jesus was drawing a strong reaction. And they were fearful. Fearful of the Jewish authorities at that time. I think we understand that even to this day. How, how bold are you with talking about Jesus where you work? How bold are you to, to talk about Jesus if you go to Walmart? I can almost guarantee you. We don't. Why? Well, I think we know why. We don't want to come in conflict with people. Did you understand what I'm saying? We don't want people to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Same thing's happening here. Only their fear was a little bit more real because the Jewish leaders might throw them out of the synagogue. So this is the buzz that's happening here. And there's one final thing. Here's what is amazing. So when Jesus finally, in the middle of the feast, goes to the temple and starts teaching, here's the final thing that happens that they're amazed with. Look with me at what it says, verse 14 and 15. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters having never studied. All right, so let me explain something to you. When he says letters, he's not talking about the Jewish alphabet. What they're talking about is levels of training in Jewish customs and Jewish law. What they're talking about is how does this man have an understanding of what would, to us would be the Old Testament scriptures, but for them, the Pentateuch, the first five books, the writings, the poetry, and the prophets, 
How is it possible that Jesus has an understanding of this because he never studied? And how would they know he hadn't studied? Well, they know he's from where? Nazareth. They know what family he's from. A carpenter's family. He never studied because he didn't come to Jerusalem to sit at the feet of rabbis. And so when Jesus is teaching, this is another thing that comes out of the Gospels. He's teaching with an authority that even they didn't teach with. Well, we know why, don't we? Because it started with him in the first place. And so they're amazed. They're amazed. Here's the point. They were amazed by the authority in teaching without formal training. When Jesus taught, it was a completely different thing. He was saying what he said. And they weren't used to that. And they were amazed at that. And they're wondering, how can he teach like this? So that leads into Jesus talking about his doctrine, about his teaching. And I think this is where you and I are going to gain something from it. Okay, because here's the thing. With those people, there was no consensus. But that's not true for us. There is a consensus with us, right? We understand who Jesus is. We gave our lives to him. We know he is God. We know he died on the cross for us. We know there is salvation in his name only. We know we have a relationship. So there is a consensus. We have a unity. But I want you to see something here because he's going to talk about his teaching. And look, folks, that's so important for you and I because why? You can't go throughout life without his what? Teaching. And so there's some wonderful things you need to see here. So let's look at it. We're going to take it verse by verse. Let's look first at verse 16. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. My doctrine is not mine. So everything that Jesus was teaching, he's saying to them, Look, it's not my teaching. It's the one who sent me. Now, he's been telling them all along who sent him. Who? God the Father. Here's the point I want you to see. Jesus stressed that his teaching is not his, but the Father's. Okay, so this is important. This is the delineation between whether you're going to accept what he says or not accept it. It's the same thing for you and I with regards to when we read the Scripture. You have to make a choice. You have to decide, is this from God or is it just simply from men? Do you understand? Is it from God or is it from the various authors of these 66 books over two millennia? Is this from God or is it from men? Jesus is saying, when I teach, it is not my teaching. It's the one who sent me. Who's that? God. So you, he's already telling them when it comes to what he says. It comes down to, do you believe it's from God or not? Now you say, okay, George, what, what, okay, I, I, I get that. How does that work out practically for me? All right. So, all right, let me, I'll use myself. I'm assuming this happens with you. I will read the scripture, and a lot of times when I read the scripture, I'll say, Lord, show me today what you want me to see. That's a scary thing to pray. What do you mean? I'll tell you. Because sometimes when I'm reading, and I'm reading even like a narrative from the Old Testament, and I'm seeing how somebody acted in, in the time of David or somebody, and, and I'm reading and, I, and I'm thinking, oh man, wow, look at how he, look at what he did. Look at what he was doing. He didn't do that right. And boy, God, you, you showed him or this was the consequences. And as I'm reading, the Spirit of God says to me, yeah, but you're doing the same thing. 
Wow. Now here's what happens though, because the Spirit of God, I'm, I'm giving you an illustration here, because this, I mean, it happens in various different ways. Could be you riding down the road, you're listening to some preacher on the radio, or you're listening to a Christian song where some truth is being communicated, and the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, yeah, but this needs to change with you. Now here's what happens. You got to make a choice at that moment. Is it from God or is it not? And when you see what his teaching is and it says something to you that may, when, it, when it needs to change, it's usually when something needs to change, because I'll be honest with you, I don't like change. I li I'm a creature of habit. I don't like change. So when God says something to me, I've got a choice to make. Is it God's word or not? Is it from you, Lord? Or is it something else? See, do you understand what I'm saying? This is the first thing about his doctrine. He stresses that his teaching is not his. It's the Father's. Here's the second thing he talks about. Look with me at verse 17. Here's the key to understanding. Remember I told you about that earlier? I almost gave it away, but I'll give it away now. Here it is, verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Here's the point. The key to understanding lies in the desire to do God's will. He's saying here, look at verse 17, anyone wills to do his will. Whose will? The Father's will, God's will. If you're wanting to do what God wants you to do, then you'll know as you are reading his word, as you are listening to the teaching of Jesus, you know whether or not it's from God or not. Why? Because you have a disposition to what? Want to do what's right. And when you want to do what's right, you'll quickly say, yes, that's you, Lord. You're talking to me. And I need to adjust. Or you're talking through that person. Or you're talking through that program. Or you're talking through that sermon. You're talking to me. It's from you, Lord. And you make the decision. Because here, a lot of times, though, have you been like this? I can't hear you. I do that with God sometimes. Because he speaks to me and I don't want to hear it. Because the desire to do God's will isn't there. Why? Because I have a desire to want to do my will. Do you understand? That's just George talking because I know you guys don't have that problem. Right? The key to understanding, if you want to understand what he's saying to you, it starts with what? A desire to want to do God's will in your life. That's what he's saying here. Here's the third thing. Look with me, verse 18. This has to do with the validity of what he's teaching. This has to do with whether or not what he's teaching is right or wrong. Even when he speaks to you through his word, the issue is the validity of it. Here's what he says, verse 18. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Here's the point I want you to see. The validity of his teaching is determined by who gets the glory. So when he's teaching you through whatever means, through a sermon, through reading his word, or listening to a program, or listening to a Christian song, or whatever, when he's teaching and God is speaking to you, you can decide whether or not it's truly from him by looking at who gets the glory. 
Because if it gives God the glory because you responded to him by doing what's right, it's from God. But if it gives somebody else the glory, even your own self, you already know right off the bat, it's not from the Lord. It's not valid. And that's the point. Now, he's going to sum it up here with something that I think is very interesting because it almost seems like, where did that come from? So here he's been talking about his teaching. He's been talking about his teaching is from the Father. It's not from him. It's, it's whether it's God or not. He's been talking about that the key to understanding it is your desire to want to do what God's will is. And then he's talked now about the validity of it. How do I know it's valid? Because it glorifies God. Then we come to verse 19. Where did that come from? Here's what verse 19 says. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Whoa, I can almost see those folks who are listening to them like, whoa, where did that come from? What are you talking about? It's a point. So let me give you the point and I'm going to see how I'll give you the application for you and I. The problem was is they were not able to keep the law that was already given. Moses gave them the law. And folks, it's a big law. How do I know? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the law. And it covered everything whether it was their interaction with each other in community or their interaction with God, even down to how do you handle this and animals. and I mean, they had the law. Jesus said, Moses gave you the law, but you couldn't keep it. Now you want to kill me. That's what they're wanting to do. They're going to argue with him about that. We'll see that next week. What's going on here? Here's the point, folks. They decided not to do what they were supposed to do, even though they knew it. And because of that, they reacted against God. All right, what do you mean, George? Let's, well, let's bring it back to application so we understand. Here you are in your life. You have a desire to want to do what God wants you to do. I have yet to meet anybody going to church if you say to them, don't you want to do what God wants you to do? Everybody will say, yeah, I want to do what God wants you to do. Okay, that's a really nice statement. But if you dig deeper on that, we have exception clauses to that. I want to do what God tells me to do. Yeah, that's wonderful. Except in this area or with this person or with this attitude. We have exceptions, right? I mean, we all do. I'm not telling you anything new. You know what I'm talking about. But, hey, overall, I want to do God's will. And he says to them, look, you already know what God has been telling you. Moses gave you the law. The one who understands is the one who seeks to do my will. But what? You're not wanting to understand because you have the law. Guess what? You're not even doing that. And guess what? You're trying to kill me. Get rid of me. See, it really comes down to, do you really want to know him and what he wants for your life? And then when he starts talking to you, and he does, 
It's now a question of whether or not you're going to do what he's told you to do. Here, let me help you. In a group this size, there is somebody here. I don't know who you are. Maybe sometime you've told me this. Maybe you haven't. I have a good memory about some things, but as I'm getting older, my memory's not good. But I know human beings. And I've heard it through the years. Someone will say, I want God to speak to me, but I'm not hearing him. I'm not hearing him. He's not answering me. Now, in the earlier years, I didn't know what to say to them. I just said to them, keep praying. Here's what I've come to the conclusion of, especially after reading a passage like this. The question I need to ask them is, all right, what was the last thing he told you? What was the last thing he told you? And did you do it? Because if you didn't do it, why should he keep talking to you? And usually when I tell people that at this time, they all know what it was. They all know what God told them to do. And they didn't do it. Now, some of you are like, well, yeah, you know, I can remember when God told me that. But it's a long way between now and then, Lord. How do I, how do I change that? Here's how you change it. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You just need to go to him and say to him, God, I know you told me to do this at some point, And I ignored you because I want to do my own thing. And Lord, in this instance, I can't do that anymore. But I do want to hear from you. Please forgive me. And you know the wonderful thing about Jesus is? We talked about it right before we prayed. What? What's that? The wonderful thing is, is he is beautiful. And he does forgive. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. All right, so George, what do we do with this? I already told you, we are not like this crowd that is not coming to a consensus about who Jesus is. We know who Jesus is. I hope you know who Jesus is because you've given your life to him. You know that he is the Savior, the Lord. You know him. Now it becomes a question of what are you going to do with what he speaks to you about? Are you going to do it and let him keep showing you things? Or are you going to alienate yourself? The choice is ours. It's not his. Why? How do I know it's not his? Because I know what his heart is. His heart is what? You! Will we heed him? Because his words are God's words. It's for us to decide.
Hi folks, this is George. I want to thank you for listening this morning, and I want to tell you about a free app that you can get for your mobile device that will allow you to access all the materials and information you need about our church in one device. Simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple device and search for Kerwinsville Christian Church. The app is free, And what you'll find there is everything you need to know, plus all the teaching from our church, as well as this program. And we hope that you will utilize that in your search for Christ. Until next week, folks, take care and may the Lord bless you.